If you have ever had a chance to look into a microscope and see all the activity in a tiny drop of seawater, then maybe you have been in awe. Where you stood before the vast Atlantic Ocean to see a magnificent sunrise over the horizon. Then, maybe again, you have been in awe. Thank you for joining us for In Awe with Bruce. Today we have Bob Fabie on the phone. He is an Anglican priest in the Phoenix area where he lives with his wife, Amy, and two children. He holds a master's degree in divinity and has more than 20 years of ministry experience. He speaks at conferences and workshops about dignity and works with leadership and teams to increase their effectiveness. He's the author of Not My Jesus, Embracing Our Sacred Role in a Changing World. By the way, he's also into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is the reason we're not meeting face-to-face. <laughs> but uh, please, please welcome Bob to the podcast. Bob, thanks, thanks for coming so much. On. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bruce. Really grateful. No problem. We're glad to have you here. Sometime you'll have to explain to me the difference between uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and any other kind of jiu-jitsu. I'll, I'll be happy to do that. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, you know, to get started, I was just curious. 20 years or more of experience, uh, mm-hmm. just written a book last year. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to be where you are? What has God done in your life that got you here? Man, uh, great question. So so I always think of it like um, in, in the same way that I I have learned more about my wife as we have been married, uh, the same way I've, I've learned more about Christ as the longer that I've walked with him. And so I I knew him a certain way when I first came to faith and that I know him differently now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's kind of been a, a journey through a variety of different settings and a journey into, you know, kind of greater degrees of faith and trust in him as, uh, as I, as I've walked that way. So man, um, senior pastors, student ministries, uh, young adults, uh, church planting, all sorts of different, uh, things I've done. One of the things that I think I have always come across is that people have had their own kind of personal views of Jesus. In fact, I think I've had my own and that, and that they don't always jive with what I read in the scriptures. And so as I have progressed in my faith, just walking with him, I have allowed some of those to fall away. And I've also probably held on to some of them, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I've, but I've also watched how our culture is oriented to Jesus. And, and, and you, you see that played out in the lives of people. Uh, because how we view him has a direct result of how we walk uh, with with him. So the production of the book then is is kind of a result of all of that mishmash coming together, if that makes sense. Sure. Well, so tell me, how did you view Jesus at first? What was your what, what did he look like to you? Man, uh, well, so when I first gave my life to Christ, uh, I was seven, and I was mm. just really afraid of going to hell. Uh, and so, so all I knew was that this Jesus guy would, he didn't like sin. And that, um, if I put my trust in him, I wouldn't go to hell. (laughs) So, so I thought that was a good deal. Uh, but I also, and I kind of allude to this, I think in the book that if I were to sin, he would take off. So (laughs) I kept, I kept re-inviting Jesus into my life because I thought that, um, every time that I sin, he would leave. So, you know, a very um, maybe elementary view of Jesus as my Savior uh, without a whole lot of theological understanding. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's where I first 
kind of stepped in. If that resonates with your listeners, I, I hope it does. I, I think many times the the way that we come to faith in the beginning, especially as children, but I, I'm afraid, uh, I wish it weren't the case, but it's just mm. simply out of fear of going to hell. Yes. No, I think that's true. It, I know it resonates with me, and I, I've talked to plenty of people it has, and you know how many times of a lot of us ask Christ into our life again, thinking we have to start over. Right. How did that change? Take us through a little bit how that changed as you kept moving along in your walk. Yeah. So the way that it worked for me was I decided that um, I basically had a get out of jail free card, if mm-hmm. you will. And so I just thought, okay, well, I believe that Jesus died for me, so I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, and it's up to me to figure it out in the meantime. So my journey with him was one where I knew that he was with me and I knew that he loved me, but my decisions on a daily basis were my own. Hmm. So I I think of it more like um, I thought that Jesus could be my savior, but not my Lord, if that makes sense. Yes. And so, so I kind of, I really lived that way for a number of years. So I kind of did my own thing. I uh, would feel enormous amounts of guilt because I had a sense that maybe God didn't want me to live this way, or maybe he didn't want me to choose the things that I was choosing. Um, Cause I mean, I chased, you know, girls and drank beer and I did all of that kind of stuff knowing that, you know, God was with me. And so it was really not until I got into college that I got to the point where it was like, look, I have to surrender. Uh, and, and the, the surrender of my life to him was different than, Hey, make sure I don't go to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> does that make sense? Yes, it does. <clears throat> yeah. So by the time I got to that point, I was always afraid that he would make me one of those Jesus people. And <laughs> every, <laughs> every one of those Jesus people that I saw seemed incredibly needy and just really wanted friends. And it was really awkward for me because I thought I was so much better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I literally, I just got to the point where uh, I knew that if I kept living my life the way that I was living it, you know, I, I was going to have a short and tragic end. Mm. And so it was more like, I don't care if you make me one of those people anymore. I just need you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I surrendered my life to him. Uh, it was honestly, it was New Year's Eve of 1991-92. Wow. Uh, then it has been similar to marriage in terms of just getting to know him, learning to trust him, and to grow with him in different ways. What what keeps you fired up and inspired? Because we all have our ups and downs, but what really do you turn to that helps you keep moving forward? Yeah, so it's interesting. I don't know if I think about it as forward or if I think about it in terms of levels of intimacy with Jesus. Okay. Uh, there, there are times where I, I will... Um, pretend that he is not near to me and I am not near to him. Uh, Mm. I will allow maybe, maybe my ears to be filled with, with wool or cotton. Uh, I I don't listen to the spirit as much as I want to, or, or know that I should, maybe I'm not as obedient as I would want to be. And my own spiritual practices are the things that really keep me uh, grounded and intimate with him. Mm. So for me, a regular worship and the Anglican Church has is is incredibly helpful for me mm-hmm. because I'm I'm faced with what He has done for me uh, in spite of me mm-hmm. uh, every every week, uh, and yes. so I'm re- I'm really grateful for the pattern of worship that I have, uh, especially you know kind of the liturgical pattern because in that setting um, you you go through the story of the gospel every week 
and you get to allow Christ to confront you if you choose uh, uh-huh. about, where, about where you're at with him. And that, that helps me enormously. So, so even, uh, recently we, we had the, um, it's Holy Week, so we had the Tenebrae service, which is a time where, depending upon the context, we do foot washing. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded that my orientation to the world needs to be one of where I would be willing to wash people's feet. Mm. And the fact that Christ washed the disciples' feet and he says, hey, I want you to be like me and I want you yeah. to do this. It is enormously uh, challenging and it, mm. it causes me pause. It puts me in awe of him. Yeah. And it also helps me to reframe how I view those around me. Mm. It is. That's a, you know, letting Christ serve us is like, you know, it's like having that Peter moment. Uh, no, no, <laughs> you don't wash me, you know? Well, I, I really believe that, that, um, Christians aren't that great at receiving grace. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if we were better at receiving grace, even though we say that that's what what we're all about, Uh, if we were better at receiving grace, I think we might even be better at giving it away. Boy, that's that's a really good point because I had a ministry house that I lived in and was the really supposed to be the leader of and everything like that. And I remember the, the other guys that lived there came to me one day and they said, you know what, you're doing all these things for all of us, but you don't let us do anything for you. Yeah. And that was that, oh boy, I'm yep. really like Peter. Yep. Oof. Yeah, and, and and we may look at Peter and we may say, gosh, Peter, you dummy, why didn't you figure this out? Or how could you, you know, and it's like, no. Yeah, no. Nope. Um, <laughs> we, we really are. And I, I find that true. So I, I will look at different characters in the scriptures and I resonate with them because when Jesus chastises the Pharisees, I see myself in the Pharisees so clearly. I just go like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not as great as I think I am. And I really, really need the grace that he offers. Mm. Well, you know, what I'm hearing is, and this is really, I think the key to so much is, is Bob, your heart is willing to to open up. Not that not that it doesn't fight, not that it doesn't wrestle, not that it doesn't pretend God's away for a while, but bottom line is that's what we, we have to go to, right? We have to yield ourselves to to the Lord. Yeah, well, fundamentally, do I believe that he really loves me? Mm-hmm. Do I really believe that? And if I do, am I willing to bask in that Yes. so that I might look more like him? And, and I really struggle with that. I really believe that though. And mm-hmm. I, and so, so when I am, I, I mean, I think you're right. When I, when I recognize that I'm, I'm less than, uh, willing, then, then I, I try to come quickly under that and say, you know, I, I'm so sorry. I know that you love me deeply. Help me to help me to experience that. Help me to remember that. Help me to abide in that, that I might actually look more like you. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so as you you went on in your life, there hit a point though where you wrote a book about yeah. you know where, kind of where your views come from as well as other people's views. And and I was telling you when we first got on together that you know, one of the things that that's really striking for me is that when we we don't have the correct picture of Jesus, then it's hard to have that full impact of His awe in our life because we're not understanding him the way he really was. So maybe you could dive into that a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and, and I'll start with the book cover, uh, because that's where most people, obviously, it's the first thing you see, and they say, don't judge a book by its cover, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> uh, I think in my case, I hope you do judge the book by the cover, because part of what it is, is it, it literally is a caricature of how our culture views Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I believe that people think that they can co-opt him into whatever political and or social argument or viewpoint that they have and co-opt Jesus in as if he's some kind of uh, trump card. So, oh, well, Jesus would never do this, or Jesus wouldn't say that, or Jesus would be on my side and not mm-hmm. yours, et cetera, et cetera. And, and for me, that is a fundamentally flawed view because it puts us at the center. It doesn't actually ask me to come to him. So, so for instance, on the cover of the book, there's an American flag and a Republican and Democrat because both people <laughs> claim him. You know, argue, yeah, they claim they claim him. Uh, he's got a cigarette and a cell phone and a Starbucks. And and the thing that people miss, and and this honestly, Bruce, this is something that really grieves me, is that yeah. Jesus has blue eyes on the cover of my uh, book. Mm-hmm. And people, they don't find that troubling. Uh, they yeah. find these other things troubling. And, and for me, that's heartbreaking because you're really okay if Jesus looks like you. You're not okay if, well, I don't smoke, so Jesus wouldn't smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's to miss the whole point, is that we're actually supposed to reflect him. He's not supposed to reflect me. Yes. Boy, that that is the heart of it. And I know when I looked at your cover and I, I was reading in there, I just, uh, my brain went back to a National Geographic show that I think I saw where they, they reconstructed what a, a typical person might look like in the first century Israel. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it was so good to look at that versus all these other pictures, um, you know, because you even think of Isaiah where it talks about there's nothing nothing that was really attractive about him. Right. You know, he, it's not like he's this the golden boy or like, like you know, European or something. Like, no. So. Yeah. And, and we're just super comfortable with making him in our image. And mm-hmm. and 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 I do it, too. I, I mean, I mean, please understand I'm 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 not at a place where I feel like I'm. I'm above or beyond, um, but right. it, it really is like I am supposed to look more like him than he's supposed to look like me. Mm-hmm. So, so what is it that I can be doing that that brings brings that perspective? And I think the first important thing to do is to recognize how much I want to make him in my image. Yes. Yeah, and 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 I think that's hard, and so that's part of the reason that I that I made a kind of a caricature on the cover is is to be able to say, look, for me, it's a bit of a tell when somebody says, well, oh, that book cover, I I, w- I would never read that, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's like, well, it's probably because you view Jesus a certain way, uh-huh. and because of how you view him, you're unable to engage. And that's okay. okay. I mean, I really understand that that really is that for some people that is that way or other people would say they may see the cover and they're like, man, I really want to read this book. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but I understand both. I respect and love people on both, both, you know, in both ways. (laughs) But it is, I I do, I really do recognize that, that it can be hard for some people to, to confront how they think about him. But I'm afraid that their own image of him is what they're worshiping. Yeah. And that can be problematic. So can you explain a little bit more about maybe a couple examples of images that, that we tend to have in the United States and yeah. how that affects our representation of Jesus to the people around us? 
Sure. If you were to think about what the gospel in North America is, the North American gospel tends to be work hard. God will reward you. You're fortunate, but go ahead and work really hard and you earned it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that somehow, some way it's, I'm going to do 80% of the work, God, you just need to do 20% of the work. And once that happens, then we're good. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not asking you for much, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so there's this kind of North American version that, that has to do with, I can handle it. Just, I just need you for a little bit. Right now. That's not a caricature that I pointed out in the book. I talked about the Viking Jesus, or, you know, the Northern European Jesus and the, mm -hmm. the cosmic cop Jesus or the genie Jesus. And I think those are all parts of some of those things. But I, what I've seen overseas is I've seen how our particular way of looking at the gospel in North America has been exported to yeah. other countries. As we've done missions work, we've taken that idea and brought it to other people. And then you can see that manifest itself overseas. Whereas if you take somebody who's been overseas, mm -hmm. who has heard the gospel from, from their perspective, when they come to North America, they have a kind of a different view of things yeah. that isn't that isn't embedded in maybe kind of a quasi Protestant work ethic. Moving like even I'm taking it down the road a little bit even further. Sure. One thing I really appreciate is that you've got a, a good and a great burden for culture. Yeah. So what should we look at in ourselves to help us be more effective and divest ourselves of the thing we were talking about, our views of Jesus that are off, what really should we be focusing on and, and what should we be doing so that we make that impact on the culture that we're yeah. in? Man, good question. Um, so I, I think fundamentally we have to be looking at Jesus himself and practicing what he practiced and mm -hmm. doing what he asked us to do. So what I think happens, though, is that we look at the culture and we want to fight the culture. So as an example, if you are a first century Jewish person, you're looking at your culture. It is being trampled upon by Rome and hijacked by other people and their mm. interests. There's there's much going on culturally first century uh, within, oh, I'm just going to say Jerusalem, let alone kind of larger area. So there could be a concern that we need to fight against Rome or other people. And there were people who certainly did that. And Jesus categorically refused to do that. So, so when they said, hey, for instance, when the, there was the debate among the Jews around divorce or remarriage or other things, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus clearly didn't engage in those conversations <laughs> he, he walked right past them. He, he was not going to be co-opted into those, those kinds of debates. Yeah. And unfortunately, what I see in North America with Christianity is that we are distracted by all that's happening around us culturally. And there are massive cultural shifts and there mm -hmm. are things that are devastating and they're, they're very hard to watch. And so what I, the way that I look at it is I need to be actually be focused really clearly on Christ so that I see him first, and I can view what's happening through that lens versus try to look at my culture and then look at Jesus. Because if I look at Christ and I say, okay, for instance, where we started, what does it look like for me to wash the feet of people who, and mm. then fill in the blank? Mm. Uh, because, I mean, Jesus washed people's feet, even to the point of those who might betray him. Yes. 
so whose feet could I not wash? I think is an appropriate question if we're looking at Christ first and not our culture first. Yes. Well, that's really that's a really good point. Yeah, and it's super hard. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I I'm not saying this is easy, but yeah. but I think when when we are not fundamentally asking that question and we're mm-hmm. viewing everyone around us with suspicion or as an enemy or because you don't think or act or look or do what I do, therefore you are an enemy or what you know those kinds of outworkings I think reflect one what they think about Jesus, but then two. Um, I think they give those who don't know Christ the wrong opinion about him. Yes, because we, as I think you mentioned this in your book too, but then everybody who now disagrees is a hater. Right. And that's the unfortunate thing. It's you, you can't talk about, we disagree on something. I love you. I just don't agree with that. Now it's, I, you know, I disagree with you. Therefore I must hate you. Right. Yeah. And, and frankly, it's not just the culture, but that the, the church is doing that as well. And that's yes. absolutely heartbreaking. It is. And I bring up the culture because, you know, in one of my Bible studies, uh, people were talking about, oh, look how horrible the culture is and everything like that. And and these words just popped out of my mouth. The darker yeah. the night, the brighter the light. Exactly. Exactly. And, I and mean, it's not that you, we want darkness, but yeah, go ahead. It's Right. Well, and I think about it like the first century Christians had it so much worse. I'm really clear about that. I'm like, hey, wait, 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 wait. Within the next few centuries, people are getting fed to lions. Yeah. It has changed. The bar has changed from where we have been culturally to where we are culturally. And I really understand, affirm, and and get it. And I also say, hey, man, uh, the city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's that's where we're supposed to be. I think— I think that's really, in the book, I I reference an article that was written by Frederica Matthews Green. Yes. And I'm telling you that. I think she was so on point with that, that I obviously I put it in the book. I thought it was so Mm. great. Because it it talks about, hey, if we're under the weather, then everybody's under the weather, literally dealing with the weather. And that we have an opportunity to be the types of people who, okay, yeah, I'm under the weather too, but I have an umbrella for you. Yeah. Or I have a cup of water for you, or I have a way of being with you where, yeah, it is hard. People are venomous towards one another. So maybe if I'm looking at Christ, how did he deal with venomous people? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one, he he felt very clear about being a judge. And he mm-hmm. was, you know, judgmental in that capacity. He would tell people what they thought. Well, I'm less comfortable being the judge, but I'm really comfortable coming in with a glass of water. Right. Because as you mentioned, you know, the, Jesus holds that title for a reason. and That's right. And he used his judgment uh, for a lot of different reasons that you mentioned in the book, but, you know, also to show you, you're not going to be able to make it by thinking you're good enough. Right. The interesting thing uh, I was thinking about this week being, being Holy Week was that before they would slaughter the lamb for Passover, they had five days to look at the lamb yep. to make sure that it was fit. And that's really what Jesus was doing in those days before he was crucified, mm-hmm. is they get, to, they get to look at the lamb. And you'd think, okay, so what's perfection? What's, what's it all look like? Well, he goes in and cleans out the temple. Right. You, know? you yep. could look at that and go, oh, that's, that'd be horrible. But no, not for who he was and his purpose behind it. I say this very directly in the book. Jesus is the judge. We are not. 
Yep. And when we when we get that confused, so what I think Christians have become comfortable with is, I will do the judging, Jesus, you can do the loving. When in fact, yeah, Jesus said, I'll judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're supposed to love. <laughs> Uh, yeah. the, the reversal of that says a lot about our view of who Jesus is. It doesn't mm. put us in a place of awe. It puts us in a place of, well, you clearly don't know what you're doing, so let me do your job for you. Yes. And that's that's not a great place to be. No, no. It's very harmful, and that's the greatest thing. Jesus has taken care of all these things for us so that we can show that love to the people around us and around the world. <laughs> Right. It's it's almost like, you know, when you see those things or you hear it's like you had one job. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your job. This just stay in your lane. If you will just do this one job. This is your bailiwick. Stick with this it. it. Just stay there right there. And and, and again, I, I look at it and I can say maybe I'm not great at my job, but but I want to stay in my lane. I yeah. want to stay right here. And, right. and this is what you've asked me to do. I don't have to be, I don't have to be blind. I have to be wise. You know, it's a, the wisest servant, meekest stuff. I, I, I'm going to do that, but I, I'm going to stay in my lane. And, and I think that the world would think differently of, of the church, big C and, and of Christians. If, yeah. if we did a better job of trying to stay in our lane. Yeah. Cause that, that was kind of my point, you know, Jesus, turned over the money table and stuff because that was who he was and supposed to be. We're not right. supposed to be doing that. That's right. Right. That's not our job. Right. Uh, so that's right. Although, although I, I really do believe that that's where a lot of Christians, they decide that that is their job. Exactly. So, yeah. and I, I look at, I look at the temple uh, action of Jesus and I think mm-hmm. that's a righteous judgment by somebody who is righteous um, exactly. and who, who is the judge. And he's he's shutting down the temple sacrificial system. Yeah. So so if I take it upon myself to okay, I'm going to act like Jesus and have righteous anger, right away I get really uncomfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's like, well, there was more going on there. This isn't a justification for anger. Yep. So so true, Bob. This is this has been fabulous. Hopefully, maybe we can pick up and do more somewhere in the future. Yeah, it'd be fun. Uh, I appreciate that and. And so I just, you know, want to thank you for being on. But, but do you have anything else that uh, you would like to say to people before you go that would tie anything together that you're you're sure. doing or into? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. So part of what's happened with the book is, as I have been speaking and teaching about it and 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 doing all those things, I'm I, I've recognized that part of the thing that's happened is that. Um, I think it's in chapter four where I talk about how we make objects out of other people. It's called othering. And when we do that, we remove any idea of dignity that they have. We take away the, the fact that they have been made in the image of God. Yeah, we just take it away. And so, so this idea of objectification and othering really for me kind of pushes me in the direction of dignity. And what is it like to treat one another? with dignity. And then also have the harder question, this goes back to the grace issue that we talked about, but what does it look like for me to accept the dignity that God gives me yeah. by virtue of making me in his image? Mm. And that's very difficult for me to sit with, um, mm-hmm. but I really I really recognize that that's, that's one of the key pieces of how we engage those around us, including how I walk with him myself. Wow. Beautiful and excellent way to close on. Uh, let us take that to heart. 
So thank you for writing your book and, and just enriching the, the Christian community with it. Mm. And, you know, I look forward to, to more from you and, and God's blessing upon you. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up later. Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on, Bruce. All right. Thanks, Bob.